to season two. That makes me feel really professional, like season two of the Early Years Conversations podcast. We are back in 2021. Um, we're back with a lockdown and we're back with our podcast. So I am Kerry Payne. I always feel like saying I am Kerry Payne and I'm a no nosy neighbor when I say that. But yeah, I'm <laughs> Kerry Payne and I am an Early Years Zen specialist. And I am here today with my um, host and virtual pal, Kate Moxley. Hi, Kate. Hello. Happy little New Year. Happy little season two of our um, little podcast. Um, who would have thought from, um, you know, just working out you could record yourself on Zoom last year that we would have, um, you know, had the podcast and be like back doing it in 2021. It's um, you know, it was a wonderful highlight for me last year and I'm excited to be back and chatting with you. Yeah, I think it was definitely for me in 2020, it was a lifeline and just that opportunity to talk about the realities of not only our sector, which I know we'll probably cover some of those things today, talk about the realities of our sector, to almost reflect back on our previous practitioner selves as well and, and the roles that we've developed and to have guests. I think that was one of the um, even more exciting aspects was actually speaking to other voices within the conversations and to really just have that I think it, it felt like even though it was a really difficult year yet, having a year of growth and acknowledging some of the, the challenges that we're facing in our own learning journeys within the early years. So yeah, we are super excited to be back. We haven't even planned what we're going to talk about today, but I think given recent announcements um, and the fact that our early years, the fifth emergency services, everybody is referring to them as, um, just really... I think a check-in today, Kate, and just uh, having that well-deserved what the fuck moment. Are we back here again? And and how do we how do we survive this this second lockdown? So um, I think starting today with how are you feeling about everything at the moment? What's your kind of mindset? Well, I suppose when you were just talking, then what I was thinking about was we said to each other. Um, kind of mid-December we decided to do an end of year podcast and that was our plan um, and um, and we were going to actually do it with Liz Pemberton as well like the three of us who kind of navigated our way through last year um, quite often together virtually holding hands with one another and um, we planned to do that and then when it came to it we had the news didn't we then that we weren't going to get the Christmas that we thought we were going to get and I think all three of us just were like oh my goodness I'm exhausted I'm overwhelmed I'm really emotional and even though I, I want to drink wine and meet you on zoom to record a podcast I don't think I've got the emotional I've got I don't think I've got anything left to give and we all kind of said that same thing and so we never got around to doing that kind of end of year um, chat together um, and then kind of fast forward to where we are now um, I you know I'm I suppose on quite honestly today and this week I have felt um, from Tuesday onwards I have felt okay I have really tried to focus on being kind and gentle and compassionate with myself and with my family um, but on Monday night I did go to bed just in tears of frustration of anger of just despair 
um, you know, being totally honest, I feel like um, last time we were here, we had some hope in our government and some hope for the decisions that they were going to make. And of course, it wouldn't be easy for anyone, but I feel like, especially in our sector, a sector that we hold really dear in early years, um, we've been set up to fail and let down um, you know hugely and that is that is hard and I'm not working frontline I am at home so um watching what's happening um is heartbreaking and also my daughter's 15 she's now at home again and you know watching you know her days weeks months dwindle on being trapped at home being 15 and being I think quite disrespected by most of society who seem to think that our young people are just an inconvenience um it, that that adds to all my discombobulation <laughs> and, and emotion so uh, so Monday was a, a real low point and um you know just before Christmas or just before the new year I posted some pictures of 2020 because I'd seen someone kind of share some pictures and say, actually, 2020 wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, and, you know, we've spoken a bit before. I know I'm rambling here a bit. I'll stop in a minute and let you speak. But, but um, you know, our brain likes to remember the negative stuff. Mm -hmm. So quite, quite, you know, um, it's quite obvious and quite clear that many of us are going to have a ne negative mental filter about 2020. Um, and... But like you said in the introduction, we actually learned so much about ourselves and each other last year. And there are things that I learned last year that I'll never forget that have shaped me and um, challenged me and stretched me. And um, and actually, you know, I'm grateful for those opportunities, um, those hard, hard moments. And so there were lots of things that... Um, I want to forget about 2020 but if I forget all of those things then I forget all of the other wonderful things that came with it the connection the empathy the friendship the love the support realizing what's important all sorts of different things um and so you know on Monday my daughter said to me let's look back at some pictures from last year and I was like no I can't bear to look I broke my toe Betsy hurt her leg I was like I, I felt like I was um Jim Carrey in um, Dumb and Dumber. We've got no food. We've got no job. Our heads are falling off. And that's so. That was where I was Monday to where I am today. <laughs> Sorry, and to where I am today. Um, I just thought, you know what? I am. I always do Red January. I've been. I haven't done a run yet. I haven't maybe broken into a sweat, but I have got my body up and moving and walking in the fresh air every day. I've been like, you know, trying to eat lots of food that makes me feel good. And actually, I've noticed I enjoy cooking for the family. That keeps me busy and a purpose. And I've just tried to concentrate on nice things because otherwise, I'm scared, Kerry. I'm going to get swallowed up um, in all of the horridness that's happening in the world. Yeah, I um, I really hear that, and I think, I think twenty twenty was raw in so many ways, and I think even just hearing your kind of retelling of that year, it's almost like it's okay that we fully acknowledge that it was probably the hardest year, no matter what your situation. And weirdly, I was in a therapy session this morning, and I was saying I don't feel entitled to grieve 
people dying because they're not directly, you know, it doesn't directly impact on me, but seeing those, those figures every day, I feel like I'm not entitled to grieve the fact that our early years sector is being placed under this immense stress, stress and pressure because I'm not on the front line um, out there in, in settings every day. And, and the conversation we were having is that it's, uh, it's like that thing that you always refer to is that you've got to give yourself permission to feel and to acknowledge how hideous last year was and some of the hideousness that is now coming into this year while seeing some of the positives or seeing some of the strength and hope. And I think we, we do have to look back at those happy pictures and go, yes, this happened, um, you know, broken toes, but also um, phenomenal friendships or those moments that, you know, you laughed or you, and, and I think for a lot of settings, I think the feedback that I'm getting from so many practitioners is that the days are hard, the decisions that they're being told about are very difficult, but there is that camaraderie, that's, there's that connection between colleagues. And I think I'm, I feel that real like pride again for our sector, but we, we continually are at the bottom of a pile, but we continue to go, fuck it, we're going at it, we're gonna, we're gonna get through and we're gonna you know, keep children at the center and, and look after each other. And I know it's not always that whimsical um, and there are challenges as well, but I think, on the whole, even for 2021, in, a, in the space of a week, our sector has been faced with these insane decisions. Um, the, the, the rationale for some of the decision-making, particularly the timing of those decisions, I think has been really difficult for the sector, but you can see those com components of connection and those components of, of resilience. And I do wonder where our sector gets that capacity for resilience, because we just seem to keep, keep producing it and going right this is the next thing and I think when you are responsible for young children and the care and education of young children it like that is keeping that as like your anchor can be a really good motivator but I think also developing those boundaries and knowing knowing when too much is is too much and I think something that I've been thinking about today in particular because I've actually had um I've leaned into the hideousness this week. I've had a really, 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 really awful week. Um, mental health has felt really, really poor. Um, and it's only today where I can feel myself again emerging and being a bit like, okay, raise your head a little bit. There are positives within this or the, there are ways that we can move forward. But I think, I think what I'm realizing is it's okay to communicate when we feel stressed or when we feel down or when we feel frustrated. And it's okay to know that not we can't necessarily help each other at this point other than to go, I'm here, I'm here to hear it. Um, I'm here to acknowledge it, but we can't necessarily, I think we're having to accept that solutions can't just be put in place straight away because we're being put under so much pressure. Um, and I think the sector needs to be open to sharing those feelings and those emotions um without shame as well um i think that's the big thing that's sticking me sticking with me at the moment and I, I went to a training course of yours this morning kate where you were talking about this tendency for us all to just appear fine i'm fine i'm fine everything's fine we're fine it's all fine everything's gonna be fine and it's like no it's it's shit everything feels shit but i'm, I'm carrying on and i'm providing what i can in terms of you know resilience but I'm, I'm aware that that it's a difficult it's just a difficult period isn't it but there is hope within that i hope 
Yeah, well, I think what you've just said is we've learned to be just, um, I think, a little bit more um, compassionate and patient with other people and ourselves. I think naturally we're more compassionate to other people anyway. But in early years, we've had less capacity to, in the, in the past, I think, to be compassionate with one another because we're all so bloody busy. And it's just, you know, I don't know, it's, it, it, it's really complicated. It's all tangled up in... Um, in all sorts of different things but I think you know one of the things we spoke about this morning in that session was you know what did you learn in 2020 you know what did you learn about your workplace in 2020 was it actually you know how we look after each other as a team staff well-being like actually it was a priority and we pulled together um or was it actually yikes yikes I don't know where I pulled the word yikes from yikes I like it. Thanks, suits. Yeah, it really does. Oh, yikes. Oh, crikey, Riley. That's what I feel like I need to say next. Oh, I suppose it's because I'm I'm not swearing because I'm obviously been at home over Christmas. Not that I swear a lot or I've got a potty mouth, but um, I'm, I, I wasn't swearing. But you've just sworn. So I don't know why I felt like I had to say the word yikes, which isn't even usually in my vocabulary. But anyway, and some people thought, oh, shit, there I said it. She actually, well, I need to focus on staff wellbeing this year. I need to think about the team because maybe as an organisation, all we did was think about the children and the families again. And we can't go into another year without prioritising our health and wellbeing. We can't, our bodies just can't take another year of it. Um, you know, we have to really pay attention to it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things like we'd said this morning was... Um, you know, during difficult times, as you just said, sometimes we just need to, you know, to be there for one another. We just want to be seen. We just want to be heard. Um, you know, we just have to hold that space for each other. So um, if we want to do that for children, we have to start doing it for ourselves, don't we? So, you know, I'm all for this year. Let's kick off January with like, you know, starting a journey of wellness um, a journey of like kindness and compassion, treating ourselves like we do the children in our care, just like actual little, little, little babies. Um, you know, I had this amazing reflexology treatment before Christmas and she was saying some amazing things. Like, I didn't know, did you know that serotonin is produced in the gut? Is I had that no idea, absolutely no idea. So there's this new research um, that has shown that serotonin is produced in the gut and I was thinking I was like well serotonin is obviously you know a chemical in your brain serotonin um, you know is is a big part of you know when people experience depression it's usually to do with um, you know some people would attribute it to these chemicals in your brain serotonin being a lack of it so you know some antidepressants are um, you know, serotonin reuptake inhibitors that produce more serotonin for us to, right. to you know, help with, uh, with how we feel. And so she was telling me that serotonin is produced in the gut. And I was like, and that there's this new research. I was thinking, well, how can it be produced in the gut if it's a chemical in our brain? And I was like, obviously mind blown. And basically what she was saying to me was, you know, in January, she said, everyone's trying to get you to do detoxes and do all of these cleanses and all that kind of stuff. She said, but in January, all your body wants to do is keep warm. It wants to feel nourished and safe and secure. And so 
spring is the time to cleanse and detox because it's the weather's getting warmer that's naturally what our bodies want to do and I thought why do we make ourselves do all these hideous things in January <laughs> you know when actually when actually I really that is exactly right I want to keep warm I want to be cozy I want to feel nourished I want to feel looked after I want to feel some like love and connection you know I want to drink my glass of red wine I don't want to do dry January um I don't want to do a crazy diet because I've learned to try and like myself and sometimes love myself exactly as I am right now today not when I've got to the end of January and maybe you know look a little bit different because of all the Christmas chocolates I ate I'm, I'm accepting of who I am right now and I think so often we're, we're occupying spaces or trying to start new years trying to change ourselves and all the things about ourselves but we actually learned lots of stuff last year which is going to carry us into this year isn't it yeah and actually everything that you've just said there kind of like the little building blocks in my brain were coming together of we had this year of adversity and learning and growth and learning to connect and build relationships in different ways, often, you know, through digital technology. And it's almost like rather than this being a month of resolution, it's a month of hibernation and reflection. So really protecting yourself, which feeds into. So um, and obviously, you know, Kate, but this week, the thing that activated my stress was my heat and broke and hot water. And I'd actually had hypnotherapy before Christmas. <laughs> we obviously were both investing in self-care things before Christmas, but um, during the hypnotherapy, she said, what is a big activator of stress for you? And I said, if my basic needs are not met, it, I can spiral very, very quickly. And I remember when I was saying it in the hypnotherapy session, I was like, am I really that like kind of hell bent on my basic needs? Cause you can sometimes take them for granted. Um, and she was like, that is a huge one for people. People often kind of take for granted that those basic needs make a massive difference to your everyday thriving and well-being. One day without heating, Kate, and honestly, I just lay on the couch all day with a blanket on me, just crying, because I was just like, I just can't. I, like, it's already been a hard 2020. I've now gone into 2021. I've got no heating. I can't have a bath. And my hands are shaking. I'm living in an ice block. And it was just even that one basic need, I felt unable to kind of function. And I think, and I think 2020 was the year in which our basic needs were constantly at risk. We were constantly fighting to, to feel safe in a world of uncertainty. And so actually 2021 and January, the year where we do see people wanting to be better versions of themselves, actually just have a good old hibernation. And I think the other thing that you said there was about, um, you know, everybody kind of jumped on the exercise bandwagons or they they tried to make, make themselves into different people. Um, and something that I ditched this year already is my, um, what are they called? The watch things that have got all the funky. Yeah, like a Fitbit. Because what I realized is I'd gone from last year doing exercise for my mental well-being to doing exercise for the calorie count. And then suddenly you're standing in front of the mirror nude, squashing every little bit going, oh, this is fatter than it was yesterday. And, I, and it was all, well, it's fatter here because I didn't burn 100 calories yesterday. So I thought, freak the Fitbit. 
I am doing this for me and I've started doing um, this 30 day challenge, which is not about weight loss. It's not about new versions of yourself. It's about breathing because, um, and it's yoga with Adrian and, and a lot of her rationale was a lot of us didn't breathe last year. We were constantly <gasps> in this tense state. Um, and it's, it's really been hard for me because obviously, as you know, I've got ADHD, so I'm hyperactive. Whereas this, breathe yoga challenge it is sitting there for 15 minutes kind of doing your arms and and really kind of sitting with yourself and your feelings which is difficult for me but I've done it for seven days and I can feel myself already going oh I'm I'm turning to that deep breathing when I can feel that stress threatening to overwhelm and so anybody who does have the time to kind of even fit that in it's it's a really it's a really nice um it's like a big cuddle it's like a big breathy cuddle (laughs) That's been really nice. Sounds wonderful. I think what's really interesting is when you talk about basic self-care or our basic needs is that not everybody knows what their basic needs are because we live such a busy, fast-paced life. So actually some of the things that are good for our basic self-care, our basic health and well-being have gone out the window for whatever reason. Um, But actually, even if you do know So I've really learned and had to, you know, really get, you know, what is my basic, you know, um, health and well-being needs. Mine are, you know, um, trying to make healthy choices, exercising, walking with the dogs. I used to do a lot of yoga. I mean, obviously not being able to do that. Um, Sleeping, less time on my phone. Um, There's so many different crucial things that that I I do but last year so many of them were taken away because I couldn't kind of do them but even if you're quite self-aware, I think actually sometimes it's a trick, isn't it? We've spoken before about depression's a trick, low mood, tricks you into um, not feeling positively. That negative mental filter has taken over before you realise it. And I think sometimes just because we might know what our basic care needs are or we, we know that actually if I go for a walk or if I put my phone away for a bit or do my yoga like you just mentioned... Um, if I do those things, I know that they'll feel good for me, but sometimes I forget about them just because I know them doesn't mean that I can do them all of the time, if that makes sense. Sometimes that my capability um, and then it will be a week later and I'll be like, oh, I haven't done that. No wonder I don't quite feel myself because I haven't done this thing or I haven't done that. And then we beat ourselves up for it rather than just be like, OK, well, now I know I'm going to do better and I'm going to try to you know take you know take better care of myself and um, I think definitely for me my phone is um I spend so much time for work but also without realizing it's scrolling scrolling on my phone and especially at the moment with what's happening in early years what's happening with covid um again what's happening been happening in America with Trump and seeing um you know racism and and, and actually seeing really magnified for so many people to see really clearly that yes, the fact the colour of your skin is 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 what I can't find the words is really the difference between some of these things like what's happened and unfolded in America is has been you know and and for me as a white woman watching it you know I felt all sorts of different feelings so I if I feel like that. As a, as a white person, what has it felt like for people of colour to watch this unfold again? And again, on their social media, have to have all of this, you know, I suppose that 
everywhere you scroll, everywhere you look, it's just such a lot and it's so heavy and it hurts so much. And wanting to turn away and wanting to switch off um, is something that I've been trying to do, but sometimes it's hard to do that. Mm. Um, I downloaded and invested in the Calm app last year and there's so many wonderful like um, bedtime stories that if I've been waking up in the night, which I have been a lot and I can't get back to sleep and I'm ruminating, I'm having intrusive thoughts. I can put in my earphones and listen to Mandy Moore tell me a wonderful hot air balloon story or, um, you know, there's, I mean, Harry Styles uh, talking you to sleep. I mean, I'm not going to judge whatever it takes. Um, but there's so much beautiful different things like bedtime music. And there's one at the moment and she's like, you are in bed, you are going to sleep. And I'm just lying there and reading my book. I'm listening to this music. All these little things uh, make a difference. So I can remember last in one of the podcasts it was um with kelly hannigan she said notice when you feel at your best or notice something that's given you joy or um you know and we've got to fight for that joy i think we've got to hold on to it and we've got to make room for those little those little moments um, of happiness and comfort and nourishment um, while we're hibernating um, as best we can and indulge as well in that because what I noticed again, I found that lockdown one, I was allocating time to do kind of carry things such as, you know, exercise, listening to a podcast in the bath, which is my safest place in the world. And I noticed that I, over the year, those bits as work become more intense because I think no matter what field you're working in so obviously I lecture at a university I'm not you know in a nursery setting but I'm still teaching and it was like suddenly I was like oh I'll dedicate more than me working hours to make sure I've answered every query that comes through via email to design resources to be online to be doing assessment chats and I noticed that I was slowly pushing away those moments of indulgence and then feeling really bad and kind of going, hang on a second, why am I completely creating this like off balanced experience, which is then making me not be a good lecturer. I, you know, like running out of, and I think thinking about the kind of concept of burnout is running out of my care and compassion for others but I was choosing to give too much of it in big burst rather than going this compassion and this caring has to last a whole year, whole academic year or whatever the time situation is. And it's like, why am I giving it in big bursts and then being completely awful to everyone and actually taking a more measured approach? And I think something that you said earlier on about basic needs, there's like two things that were in my head, but the the basic needs, I think we, we do actually... I think we can now see Maslow's hierarchy and I do it myself where I do see it on a slide and I'm like, oh, here we go, is Maslow back again. You can never get away from him. Um, and I think it's because it is in everything we do, but I think we need to, to reposition it as part of it, our everyday language. And I'm trying desperately to build in that language of my basic needs are not met and I need to go and address them before I come and do this task that you're requiring me to do or whatever. Because I think we, we, we all are expecting ourselves to be at optimization at all times. But <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing. But then we forget that kind of foundational um, set of needs. And I think moving on to the other thing that we've that you've mentioned today is about obviously the situation in America. I think what I've been aware of, having speaking um, to people of color, 
um, is first of all, that as white people, we can't we can't keep laughing at Trump as though it's a big joke of, oh, isn't he an idiot and a buffoon with all his followers that are dressed up in these silly outfits, breaking into the rotunda. And, and I felt like that there was this, you suddenly saw this kind of influx of memes and they were all very kind of joking. It was like, this isn't a joke. This isn't, this man is not funny. He's actually very, very dangerous. And I think when we continually see the denial of racism, when we have events that are so stark that what happens this week, I think for me, that's what I've been trying to sit with is that this, this isn't funny. This is just not funny stuff. We really need to address how this behavior from, you know, a country that has so much, you know, worldwide, worldwide dominance and influence, we can't keep seeing white people's behavior being kind of cast off as a joke or buffoonery when people are losing lives and people are dying and people are subject to the adversities that black, brown and people of color are subject to. And that's kind of really sat with me this week. Um, I felt really, I sat and watched the news for hours and I just felt really harrowed by it that this is what we've entered 2021 after a year of growth last year and, and a year of really thinking about the existence of racism not only in the world but within our sector as well um, and so yeah it's kind of a, a big reflection point for me I just thought I would kind of point that out. <coughs> well yeah most I mean absolutely I mean um, the whole the world the world just feels heavy like there is you know, there's just, and, and I can understand, because I think, um, you know, I've got a Facebook group called Early Years Enthusiasts, and I've watched um, one of the, well, I watched all of the Small Axe films by Steve McQueen over Christmas, and um, there's one titled Education, and it really, they were all, obviously, you know, emotive, they were heart-wrenching there was so much joy in them as well it was just you know and, and and shot and put together so so beautifully um and I went to the group to just like try and have a conversation around you know I've watched this and you know what do you think and da 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 and there was such little interaction on it and something we'd spoken before was actually if you put a post in there about a display or an environment or an activity setup you know the comments and there will be so much interaction on there and I, but I fully get that at the moment there's so much stuff that's too painful so people are just not engaging they're just like I haven't got enough capacity I've not got enough within me to look or to read or to get into this right now but so many people haven't got a choice of whether they face it they are facing it it's part of their daily life so it's something that I hope as we go through 21, um, it's something embraced within our sector when we're thinking about racial equality and um, getting, you know, one of the things within mental health to talk about, get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. But I hope that more of us um, continue to have uncomfortable, um, get comfortable with uncomfortable conversations around race. And I think that was a big part of our podcast with the podcast takeover last year. Um, and, and, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that um, it's just so much, isn't it? So much. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, because I, I know that we have been subject to some of those comments, that it is something that we keep coming back to, is the, the existence of racism, and, and we're, as white um, educators and as, as white um, advocates of the early years, that we're wanting to keep this conversation here is because I think also the influence of Black Lives Matter, the influence of the political climate over the last year, 
it I think the reason that it's spoken to well personally for me the reason that it's spoken to me is it's something that has confronted me with my own bias I've had to acknowledge my own bias but I think as a sector we are a sector that faces its own set of adversities and I think some of those parallels some of those intersections as well I think when we are talking up for um, Black Lives Matter when we're talking against um, the existence of racism it speaks to the fact that as an early years educator, I think most people in early years have a strong belief and advocacy for social justice and challenging things that are not right. Because what we're essentially doing as educators is we are influencing and providing the scaffolding and the foundations for the future generation. So I think exactly that uncomfortable conversations, no matter which topic they are based on, I think as a sector, we generally need to get more comfortable of having uncomfortable conversations, whether it be about the existence of burnout, racism, um, parent partnerships, special educational needs, new EYFS reforms, anything. We need to get comfortable with speaking out. And again, I do think because we're a female dominated sector, women speaking out about topics and subjects is just not welcomed. Um, I think we are often expected to be passive and you know what Kate something that really stuck with me today in the training that I attended of yours you were talking about staff rooms and early years spaces and um, a couple of people in the chat said we don't have a space to rest we don't have you know our our early years settings are not designed to have breakout areas and it comes back to that thing of um I, I do believe that we still live in a very patriarchal and misogynistic society is that there isn't space for women to feel and to speak and to to speak out and our, our spaces actually can our spaces are actually based on how we're caregiving to others much less how we care give to ourselves so we don't have staff rooms because we're women and we're expected to be out there doing the work all the time why on earth would we need rest and it really stuck with me today that i was like we need men to stop designing earlier settings because women need self-care spaces um and there's my feminist rant of 2021 i knew i would get it in somewhere <laughs> i absolutely agree with you and and you know we've talked about setting ourselves up to fail before but you know i'm talked about like you know gender before we talked about you know how we reinforce negative gender stereotypes on each other all the time and actually you know as we said at the start of this session everything that's ha been happening um we feel disempowered we, you know, with what's happening with regard to COVID and how early years have been treated. But things aren't going to change if we just accept it. We have to elevate ourselves and each other. We have to empower one another. We have to prioritise taking care of one another and looking out for one another. Um, and, you know, having those lunch breaks, finding those spaces, um, you know, rather than pretending we're invincible, because really, really, we're not. So... Um, I mean, I, I love that we haven't planned anything to talk about today and we're about to run out of time because we've had so much to say. So I'm just looking forward to the fact that I suppose this conversation, it's gone in all different directions, but that's what our podcast is going to be about over the course of this year, isn't it? And um, I know you said um, on your Instagram post yesterday, you know, we want to hear from people who have got stuff to say. We want to uh, continue to provide this space in the podcast for people to um, use their voices for to create a platform where we can have these uncomfortable conversations because we know that um, 
You know, we know people want to hear them. We know people are experiencing all types of different challenges um, within our sector. So we, we want to create this space where we can continue on these uh, conversations. Um, don't we, Kerry? A hundred percent. And on that note, I think, yeah, this is kind of just a back to um, back to the podcast, back to lockdown, back to or into 2021 um, we've got some exciting plans across the year exciting conversations some takeovers um, and just thank you for listening I did see a post today from someone saying um, somebody had asked for a podcast recommendation on Twitter and ours was one of the most popular ones um, and I do feel that that comes down to the fact that we do go in different directions because the early years is the place of different directions nothing is linear um, in early childhood um, and I think going forward, there's a, there's a few topics that we're going to be speaking about. I think the EYFS reforms, um, obviously maintaining well-being and well-doing in, in the early years and continuing to tackle these issues around social justice. So um, thank you for meeting with me, Kate. I know you fit me in today because it's, it's busy bumblebees this week, but it's been great to catch up. And we will see you for our next episode, which will be out in a few weeks' time. Thanks, Kate.